three, four. The common counterpart. And welcome back to the common counterpart. I am your beta host, Josh. And I am Marky Mark without a funky bunch. Ooh. I don't need a bunch. You don't, but I you are so- funky. I roll solo. Do you know this is episode 24? 24, baby. And 24 is one of my most favorite numbers. Is it your favorite show? No, I never watched it. I didn't either. Uh, and you're going to get a, a giggle out of why I like the number 24 so much. It is divisible by so many different numbers. Why does that make you happy? I don't know. You can have like, two. E- like everyone can play? You can have two groups of 12. You can have three groups of, of eight. Now, as know. a teacher, it makes sense. Yes. 24 would be the perfect number of kids to have in a class. I've thought about this before. Okay. So you're on, you're on the same? Uh, I don't love it like I smile about it because it's just a number. Mm-hmm. But I understand what you're saying. Okay. It's, but it also makes it a little bit harder in that way because there's so many right ways to divide it. Yeah. Remember, like, in fourth grade when you were learning, like, those quick facts? Yeah. And when it was 24, it was like, well, it could be anything. <laughs> so, <laughs> so many numbers. I don't know. I've always liked 24 for some reason. Hmm. Well, then this should be your favorite episode. I hope it is. Um, golly, it seems like I just saw you yesterday. Well, I'm here, baby, and All we're right. here forever. Well, and uh, this, this, this time apart has given me some, some time to reflect. Um, I, did a, I did a great disservice to our samurai and ninja community. Now, as that was coming out of your mouth, did you know that you just had nowhere to go? Yeah. Or did you think I was just going to give you a pass? No. You've, you've been on me a little bit more lately. Yeah. Um, and so as it's coming out, I'm realizing I'm, I really stepped in it. You know what's interesting is I always feel like every time we say something, I don't actually care that I'm wrong. I know that people will care that I'm wrong. And I, and I don't know if this is my own sort of ego that steps how in did, here. How do you make it about you uh, all the time? I don't know. I find a way. Uh, because there, there have been many times I'm listening to podcasts, and they will clearly always say, like, I have no idea what I'm talking about. Like, mm-hmm. you shouldn't take anything as fact for me. Like, do your own stuff. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. And I should take that same approach. Yes. Like, I, but I don't know why whenever I feel like I record something mm-hmm. that it needs to be gospel truth or I'm just going to get absolutely removed from society why do i care so much i can be wrong we're uh, we're we're people pleasers we're performers we 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 want to know that what we did was of value my biggest fear not my biggest that's harsh top five maybe but yeah see i also do like to ramp things up Uh is that someone would find me and be like hey you know that you were wrong about the chinese exclusion act it was this year and it was this bro i got so many things going on upstairs you should be happy i remember the name of it but i will tell you um but I don't like that. But knowing that you got under someone's skin mm. and they stewed over it, it does put you in a position of power and authority. That I part, that part I kind of like, right? Okay, yeah. But I also have been on the other end where I'm listening and I'm like, this guy's an idiot. You don't know the name of this band? It's blah, 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 blah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, I've been on the yelling at my radio in the car. Maybe not yelling. That's a little harsh. Okay. Uh, but I've been in that spot where I, I know what the answer is and they don't know. And I just, I do have this moment of feeling like they're stupid. I think I figured it out, Mark. You have such contempt for people who think they know what they're talking about and obviously don't. And you have voiced alone in your car this contempt. 
And since you know it's possible for a human being to possess such contempt for ignorance, you do not want to be on the receiving end of your own Ooh. contempt. I think that's true. Mm-hmm. Well, th- of course it's true. Should I send you? Are you going to send me a bill for that? I no, like no, that no I'm your. Session. It's free. I'm your elder. Well, that was a therapy session. I much needed. Yeah. Uh, now continue to pull your foot out of your mouth. Ah, yes. Uh, to my samurai and ninja friends, uh, I was uh, misguided and and. So, uh, for a correction, uh, uh, the samurais were warriors who uh, worked for and supported the emperor, the the ruling class, and they did it for free, at at no cost. They were a military unit of honor, um, where the ninjas were straight-up gangsters. Uh, They were assassins. They worked for a fee. Um, They're mercenaries. They're mercenaries. They're kill for hire. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't want you to live in this alone. Because uh-huh. I didn't know either. Right. However, is it crazy that what started popping through my head was uh, Three Ninjas and Three Ninjas Kickback? I don't know if you remember those films. Uh, no, I was. I think I was uh, working on some sort of adult. Probably. Uh, this came out when I was a kid. <laughs> and The Last Samurai. And I am quickly trying to place my historical context based on Tom Cruise Le- uh, and three little kids who were beating up adults. <laughs> Last Samurai was solid. So good. Um, hey, but what, what you may not have known, did you know that the, the Chinese also have a, uh, a group of elite assassins? No. They're called Tiger Moms, and they kill the joy of their children. I was legitimately with you for a second, and I was like, wait, I need a spelling on that. Let me see what this is about. Uh, well, your foot's back in your mouth, because yeah. that was the dumbest thing you've ever said. It's not dumb. Okay. For, for our listeners who might have a tiger mom uh, making them only play the piano or the violin, you, you let me know what you think. Is that insensitive, too? No. Is that worse or better than pandas? Golly. I can't. When did you get all woke? I'm WWF. I am the World Wildlife Federation, <laughs> and I care about me some pandas. Have you ever seen that shirt? I love the pan- the panda with the chair. With the chair. Oh, yeah. It is, I, you're going to say it, it's top five. It's one of my favorite shirt designs of all time. The panda with the cha- steel chair well, as a knock to WWF, but changing it, it's their name so, to WWE. And I'm a big pro wrestling fan. But it's it, there's so many layers of pop culture. It's so good. We're going to hit another episode, man, pop culture. It's so great. Yeah. Anyway, before we get up off the rails here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're still in China. We are. Not literally. It would be fun to do a, a podcast on location. Yeah. We just need a sponsor. I don't know that China would be the first one, though. No. I think maybe... Well, I will be in Hawaii next week. Can I come with you? No. No. Okay. No. Well, I mean, I'm just, I was just kidding. I'm mm-hmm. kind of busy. Yeah, anyway. wh- whatever. Yeah, That's, yeah, yeah. I got it. Uh, so we're going to do a little history today. Yeah, let's do it. I don't want to feel like it's like... Welcome to history class. Turn no. to page 28. But it is important to understand um, the past as we sort of Josh fearmongers you into the present and future. The, those who do not learn from their past are doomed to repeat it, says a wise man. I think I said that first. You did not. I think it was, I forget. I'll I look that was, one up. I think it was me. Yes. So let's talk about them. Let's do it. All right. Top five historical... China textbook moments of history. Let me start with this, because I have to be... Right, all the time. No, I have to be transparent. Okay. As a historian, 
which is my official title. <laughs> I have the piece of paper to prove it. I took many a college course in history. Humble brag. I took a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I did pretty well. Except, Except? I knew this was coming. There are two. Two exceptions. The two least favorite courses I ever took. Mm-hmm. East Asian history. Mm-hmm. And Mexican history. Okay. Now, let me break these down. Again. Part of it was the professor. Right? I can't blame myself. So I had two terrible professors. Now, my Asian, East Asian history class was taught by a 75-year-old man. Okay. Now, this is in 2009. 2009. He still had the transparencies. Oh, I love those. On the overhead, but he didn't write them. They were already done, right? So he mm-hmm. has recycled these from another class. Were they all faded? Yes. So that he had his little folder, right? Because you can't let them touch each other. Right. So he had his little dividers, and he pulled them out, and he put it on the overhead, mm-hmm. and he just talked for and, an hour. And this shouldn't matter, but I think you and I both know it does. Was he of East Asian ancestry? It does kind of matter. Yes, he, yes, he was. Okay. Yes, he was. It does. Now, could you trust that class to someone who was not? I think that's incredibly insensitive. Oh, my God. I can't win with you. <laughs> no. I don't uh, see color. Side story about uh, Okay. It's, uh, side story about that. My cell phone went off in this man's class. Mm-hmm. I have never been so scared in my life. <laughs> was he a large man? No, but he had like these eyes mm-hmm. that would just look at you like I just brought shame to my whole family. You did. I know. And I was so scared. You ever those moments where you can't get to your phone fast enough to turn yeah. it off? And it's just ringing loud. And if this was like my Nokia. I don't know what it was. I, oh, did the, did the ringtone have any oh. of an Asian no, that ting? No, okay. that would have been bad. Uh, but it did go off. And it was the one time, and I was so <laughs> distraught that I vowed to never get upset with my kids when their phone goes off in class. From that moment? From that moment. Interesting. I knew, like, dude, it's not as big of a deal as it is to you in your own mind, and you've suffered enough. Interesting. He said something along the lines of, turn that off or get out. To which I, like, slyly, like, worked my hand down, turned it off, and, like, just acted like it wasn't me. (laughs) Oh, it was so tough. Okay. Anyway, uh, all that not to be said was unnecessary. It's been said, but... Well, it was unnecessary. Um... I had a hard time with this class because, like we talked about last week, I have no basis to go from. Right. So when he's talking about all these dynasties and the history is just so rich of turnover and it's the longest history that we have, it becomes daunting and overwhelming if it's not something that you are used to. Mm -hmm. On the same page, just to finish my story, Mexican history has so much turnover in president that it was impossible for me to keep them all straight. Interesting. They have a ridiculous number of presidents in a very small amount of time. Okay. Because they're just always overthrowing, assassinating, causing revolution. So you need too much. You need consistency. I like it. In your world governance. Well, I I like it. It helps. So when we started going back over this, I had to basically relearn everything. Did you turn your cell phone off? I did. Okay, good. It will not go off. But I, it, it, was, it wasn't like, oh, this is easy. I got mm-hmm. this one. I can just go back in my Rolodex in my mind and pull out that class I took. No, I cannot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so some of this, I was like learning it again. Well, and again, 
I get history all jumbled up. So, you know, uh, gold rush, renaissance, enlightenment, uh, uh, Aztecs, pyramids, you know, discovering of the wheel, Neanderthal, whatever. All of this history gets mushed together, and you, you kind of forget that Marco Polo went to China. Okay, which, by the way, Marco Polo also never hangs out by the pool anymore. But um, dump. Also Shh. terrible. That was a great dad joke. Yeah, my kids just played that game yesterday, <laughs> so it's still relevant. Um, okay, again. Okay, so top, top five moments. Top five Chinese history moments. Um, number one, Tom Cruise. Oh my number god! Two, I'm just kidding. It's painful. Uh, let's go. Let's go. Silk Road. Silk Road. Which I do think that people have heard of. Yes. Now, if you haven't. You need to know it because it's sort of coming around again. Big time. Right? And it's more of like an idea. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, spoiler alert, it's not a real road. It's a, it's a collection of roads. Yeah. And it wasn't built by one group. No. It, w- it was just like an event that happened over time. Mm-hmm. And the reason why you need to know it is because they're now talking about the new Silk Road. Yes. And that, that's pretty much what... what, what was the catalyst for us wanting to talk about China. Is, yeah. Is this, the bridges and, dang it, I missed the term. Bridges and byways. Anyway. Well, we're going to get to it. Yeah, okay. There's a, yeah, there's a term. Uh, so, yeah, there is a new Silk Road. Which doesn't make any sense unless you understand the old Silk Road. Exactly. So that's why we're here. And I don't think the Chinese named the Silk Road the Silk Road. I think historians. I think they would have. No. Because they would have no reason to. Right. And part of the reason why they wouldn't know is because they are only a small piece. I think we think Silk Road, and we're like, oh, China. And it is a big country. It is a large country, but yeah. they were not the only one. I, if I was some of these other countries, I'd be like, dude, where's my credit? Yeah. Like, I was there, too. India's like, we've been here the whole time. <laughs> Where do you think all the cotton's coming from? So the Silk Road, um, st- there's sort of questionable times because it's not like the opening of like the Panama Canal where there's like a date, right? Mm-hmm. So we're kind of looking at 200 BC-ish mm-hmm. and runs through about 1400-ish. And you know there's someone yelling at their radio right They're now. They're like, that's not true. <laughs> it was the year 35 BC. Um, but it's a collection of roads, a collection of overland trade routes. Correct. That's really what it is. Mm-hmm. And it comes because there is a desire for goods. That's it. People are so wealthy, they need some things to spend their money on. Yes. And there really are sort of two routes, and they kind of meet in the middle. Wouldn't all... Well, it's sort of like there's a hub and in, what... in, in Central Asia. Okay. And one goes to the Mediterranean, and okay. one goes to China. I see that. Now, why would you go to the Mediterranean, sir? Uh, well, number one... It leads you to Africa and Europe, but also to the Atlantic Ocean. Correct. So we are looking at the best ways to remove the most amount of goods as possible. Mm -hmm. We also have Rome, right? Not too far off the Mediterranean right there. So you have these powerhouses that are there. Quick question, because I want you to finish your thought. Is this a good example of choke points we talked about with the Suez Canal? As like an overland choke point? Yeah. Yeah, kind of. It's a lot of desert. It's, it's, it, it kind of is because you can't just go off like all willy-nilly. God. I don't I, know what that means. Uh, that's a dad. It's a dad word. But Welcome it, to the club. But it also could have like, 
I get very nervous using old phrases because as we've done many times, we've looked up the reasoning for these phrases and they yes. have subtle hints of racism involved. And I hope okay. that that one does not. Maybe you're going to come back and apologize next week. I might have to. Um, but yeah, kind of, because you can't just go out into the desert wherever you want. Mm -mm. It works really well if you follow along these roads. So one goes to China, one goes there. It's a network of trade routes. Um, you know who really benefits from this Silk Road is the merchants in the middle, the middlemen. The right. ones who are actually moving the product. Right. They're not making it. They're not making it. Yeah. But they know the landscape. They know where to go. They're navigators. They have the um, animals. Mm -hmm. Right? What are we getting coming from Central Asia? Horses. Horses. If you take nothing from this, know that horses come from Central Asia. Mm -hmm. They well, do not come from Kentucky. Oh, man. I know. It's tough to know. Well, you so see all these conquistadors and everyone with horses. <laughs> The Central Asians get no credit. And pigs. Pigs also come from Central Asia. Wait, pigs and horses are not indigenous to America? No. Please tell me cows are. They're not. I don't think so. They're not. No, they're no. not. No. I don't know why So everything that. that makes the American West great, we stole from somebody else. Is un-American. Yeah. It's, all, it's always somebody else's stuff. Right. Now, now, they are the ones who are moving products back and forth, but it's not their products that people are interested in. So a couple of really big things, and... This is where it gets sort of stereotypical, okay. but there's a reason why, right? Mediterranean area, they're offering olive oil. Yeah. Not shocking, uh -huh. right? They can grow olives. Sure. Hence, they have the oil. Which is poisonous, by the way. Olives off the tree are poisonous. Really? Yeah. What about my black olives that I eat out of the can? Uh, they were uh, conditioned. They were placed in lime to soak out all the toxins. Well, next time I see some on a tree, I will not be partaking. Or feed them to your neighbor's cat. Mm, interesting. Apology number three will be coming next week. <laughs> um, India had cotton. And opium, which will make a play in the history of China much later. Mm. China has silk. Tea and porcelain. Those are the moneymakers. Absolutely. Now, why did, why did they call it the Silk Road? Why was silk such a big deal? Are you, are, you a, are you a fashionista? By chance, <laughs> do you own many a silk shirt? Uh, no. And the reason I don't own silk is it feels slippery to me. It is slippery. Yes. Now, silk is a great fabric because it's breathable. Uh huh. It's very light. It's loosey goosey. Mm -hmm. um, but it also loosey goosey, willy nilly. What is <laughs> happening? I'm not sure, but I am getting really old. Um, it works well in the winter too. Which I can't, I, can't, I can't attest to this. I read that, and it doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't, but I'm going to take their word for it. Yeah. Um, uh, silk rope is very strong. Yeah. But anyway, silk, is what, silk gets the glory, even though it wasn't mm -hmm. the only thing that was moving. Right. Why is this significant? Because we have talked many times about the movement of ideas and of goods as being a catalyst for change. We are going to get very smart people that are looking at what's happening in Central Asia and thinking, I want a piece of that. I can create something. And we, mm -hmm. we essentially create a merchant class mm -hmm. that exists during this time. Now, where the conflict comes in is the merchant class does not get along very well with the elite government officials, as one would imagine. Because the merchant class is usually nomadic. Yes. And they are built up of normal people who are working, yet they are doing a very good, very specialized skill that is getting them a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Now, if we ever want to talk about proletariat, 
bourgeoisie. This is this is a example of this okay. where we get the rich elite who want to maintain control, who want to have all the wealth, mm-hmm. yet they're doing nothing for it. Right. And you have the merchant class who are putting in all of the hard work. Their life on the line, right? Yeah. I mean, it's not, I, it's not carriages and shade. It is no. death. Yeah, it's, it is hot. It is dry. It is a lack of all resources. Is, yeah. You have to really know what you're doing, or you're not going to make it. Even today, yeah, you can't just like hop in the minivan and think you're going to drive across Kazakhstan and like you're going to make it to the next shell station. Because there's no, there is no road. No, yeah. it's 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 all about, and this is what I think is really cool about this area, but also why they get no play. There's a lot of tradition. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of like the secrets are ours, like. I'm, I know the best way to go. That's an interesting point uh, because there was a time when you guarded your information. And now with the internet, information is free all the time. and we, So it's we, not valuable. It's not as valuable as, as it once was, but these merchants, because when I was doing the research as well, remember the uh, Malcolm Gladwell book, um, Tipping Point? Yeah, and great book. The, it was the merchants who, who reminded me of the mavens, and these are the, the connectors. These are, these are the guys who are able to uh, uh, deal in the information. They're, they're the ones who talk about conversation A, and they tie it to conversation B, and they know a guy who knows a guy. And so a, a uh, uh, I guess you'd say a working class group of people all of a sudden become essential to the elites so that they can get their tea and their silk and they're porcelain. And they, and they also <clears throat> realize that there's a need. Mm-hmm. Very much like the city of Fraser Park, the city yes. of Kettleman City. Ooh, good for you. Nice tie-in. Yeah, there's got to be more there. Yeah. Uh, these serve as sort of the watering holes of the day, as of here's the last stop. Here's a spot for you to grab some sleep. And by the way, uh, a glass of water will be 18 dollars. Correct. And you will pay it. <laughs> You'll pay it. Uh, and what is also interesting is people are opportunists. Mm-hmm. We have very large rings of prostitution that exist in these places. Oldest uh, occupation. Listen. Yeah. Which couple means... Ne- couple necessities in life. Uh, and if that's the case, not only are goods being transferred from place to place, but funky funky is being transported from place to place. Yes. And that is what actually happens. And, and one of the byproducts of the Silk Road is the amount of disease that does get moved. Now, is, is disease one of those top-tier ideas that comes to your mind when you think of Silk Road? It doesn't really. Like, I, I think everyone automatically goes, goods. Right. Like, it's UPS. But you also have to pull back further and look at, if you, if you study ideas and you study innovation, and we kind of talked about this a little bit last week, just intellectual property mm-hmm. and information, like you said, right? People's information used to be important. It was being spread through the Silk Road. Mm-hmm. Disease is one of those other ones that we don't like to talk about a lot because it puts blame on someone or at least gives them responsibility, mm-hmm. right? Think of Europe to native populations in the Western Hemisphere. Mm. It's... Uh... It's, it's a story that never seems to go away, Mark, if you know what I'm saying. I do know what you're saying. I need you to cool your jets because <laughs> we're not going there. <laughs> However, we do have documented history that uh, bubonic plague was spread through the Silk Road. Right. And we're not blaming anybody. 
No. We're just saying. It becomes really hard to do. Right. You got five guys, you know, sharing a drink at a bar, mm-hmm. and they're like, which one did it come from? I don't right. know. All of them. Um, but what will come out of this is the Black Death, mm-hmm. which I'm sure you have heard of before. Yes. I don't that, know why. That, they- that, that is the one fact that does stick with a lot of kids who come to my class from like mm-hmm. seventh grade. They must spend a lot of time on Black Death. On Black Death. And it, it's, it's a misleading term. You know, I think they came up with Black Death because kids can't pronounce bubonic plague. Black Death just sounds... It, it, yeah. It sounds creepier, though, too. It does. But you're losing almost half of Europe's population. Got it. And, so it's a big deal. And, and again, so I'm hearing you say Silk Road, and again, we've got so much to talk about in regards to China's history, but we've got goods being transferred. We've got pathogens, viruses, bacteria, funguses being transmitted. We've got ideas in the form of religion, math, math, which, by the way, I'm just going to say it because it's science. I know it's science. But have you have you read these articles that they're saying math is racist? No. Oh my gosh! They're somehow requiring students to get the correct answer is racist. I need the article. Oh God! Primary sources. I I, I appreciate that. But when when you consider the math and science, the the discovery and the application really did come out of the East. India, China, through the Middle East. Um, it wasn't until rich Europeans in the 16, 1700s finally just got a little bored and decided, I'm going to play with these things and discover vapor or make carbon dioxide. Um, and so uh, when I think of the Silk Road, I, I'm, I hear you. You've got goods coming out, which, by the way, China was gangsters because China shipped out luxury items that nobody really needed to live, and they just made tons of money in gold and silver. Well, and this is one of the first times where China looks around and thinks, oh, people really want this? Mm-hmm. Oh, we can, we can double down on this. Absolutely. And silk became their industry. Now, was, was, is silk the largest commodity, or is it tea? I don't know in terms of tonnage, but okay. I know of, of what really takes off in terms of people in China who are now switching jobs. It ah. was manufacturing of silk okay, because it was so easy. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, it's, you know, we're not talking about food or drink. We're not talking about something that has a shelf life. Mm-hmm. So you got to think too, like you can only travel with and carry so much stuff. Right. Perishable goods there you go. are not really going to work hard, well over the silk Good road. Good call. Yeah. Uh, and very similar to what happens in Africa, where Africa's like, oh, ivory? Yeah. Oh, yeah, we got some of that. Yeah. Yeah, we can be the ones to bring you that. And so Africa hops on board. It's all about what you have versus what the other does not. Mm-hmm. And using those as leverage to get what you need. And cotton was probably the most important, and, I, I would argue. And cotton was coming in to China. From India. India, right. Yeah. And that goes back to geography. There are just some things that grow better in some places. Yeah. And then uh, Egypt's obviously going to get involved as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you, this is where you start getting new ideas. Oh, how'd you get that? Oh, you can grow that? How do you grow that? Yeah. And so you start talking, and then now the spread begins to take place. It's really awesome. Yeah. And I don't know if you're aware of this, but about 10 years ago, there was when the whole, well, maybe 15, whole cryptocurrency was getting kind of going. There was some shady dude that actually invented a cyber Silk Road, and it was... I've heard about this. Like, they called it like the Black Web Silk Road. It, yeah, and yeah. so he was... Uh, you use cryptocurrency, and you could buy drugs and, and gamble and, and what else, but 
the Silk Road is such an integral part of global development. So we've got goods, uh, and there are things, and you know, a lot of people, you know, you, you look at, at Europe and you're like, how come Europe got so lucky? Well, one of the things that Europe, Europeans did is they transitioned from drinking beer and alcohol all day long because it was the safest drink to drink. You couldn't drink water. There was no such thing as fresh water. But when tea and later on coffee come to Europe, not only are they getting the caffeine, but they're also now boiling their water. And now instead of drinking beer for breakfast, they're now drinking sterile, caffeinated drink. And there are some people who would equate the uh, rise of, of caffeinated drinks, tea and coffee in Europe, to uh, the Enlightenment and the Renaissance. It makes sense. Yeah. I mean, you, and especially we talk about fueling your body. We did this with food deserts, right? Mm -hmm. Whatever you're putting in, that's what you should expect to get out. Mm -hmm. So if you're putting in things that are not beneficial to you, not mm -hmm. calorically dense, you're going to be tired, you're going to be groggy versus mm -hmm. you're hopped up on coffee in the morning, you're mm -hmm. ready to go. You're going to yeah. start inventing things. Yeah. Speaking of coffee, um, Michael Pollan, Omnivore, Omnivore's Dilemma, Yeah. wrote a great book. Um, this is your brain on plants, and he goes through. The, chemically, what happens? Yeah. That's it's, cool. It's in my queue, so. All right. I'll let you let me know. Um, so, did er Mark, did everybody appreciate the Silk Road as much as everybody else? At some point, did somebody, re this is too much, it's changing ideas, it's bringing in the riffraff? You're always going to have kickback on the opening up of places. Mm -hmm. And China's no... Not, not an exemption from that. There are some people that believe that you should keep everything inside. Mm -hmm. Because when you open it up, look what happens. Everybody dies from disease. Mm -hmm. Look what happens. When you let people in, culture changes. Do, is there any evidence that disease went, went in the opposite direction into uh, the Middle East, India, and China? That I don't know. Okay. And it, it's, again, usually the, the problem with reading history is that... It's hard. Reading is hard. No. <laughs> the problem with reading history is that you always want to paint yourself well, mm -hmm. and the winners always write it. How, is, that, is that an original Mark Tackett? Oh, okay. I wish. Dang, that That'd was good. Great. Yeah. Uh, and so you're not going to be, you're not going to focus on the things that you don't want people to know about you. Okay. The things that you want people to notice in general. Wait. There aren't a bunch of books out there about smallpox to the Native Americans. Really? You'd think there would be. Yeah, you would think. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the idea of, of all of these exchanges taking place, it works up into a point, someone's gonna get really greedy. Mm -hmm. Who was it? The Who? man from the North. <laughs> the I don't know what you, I don't know. I, I think I just uh, made that title it's, it's the pasty white guys. Yeah, yeah. They, they want everything mm -hmm. and they want to be involved more so than you are. Mm -hmm. And so we start to get change. Yeah. Now, Silk Road would be number one. Silk Road, for me. okay. What do you got? Well. What's your favorite? The, well, I don't know about favorite. So I'm going to say the first thing, when you say China, and I think of, of academics, I think of the Great Wall. Classic. Classic. Uh, and Wonder I, of the world, right? Yes. And they yes. tell you you're supposed to be able to see it from space. But is, that, is that confirmed? I don't think it is. And by the way, is it really from, big? It, from space, I just don't think you're going to see a wall. You can barely see the planet um, from space, let alone a wall. Have uh, you ever seen those? You're not on social media, but there's a lot of um, posts that people are doing right now where they do these things called um, Instagram versus reality. 
Uh, and so they show like Instagram. Mm-hmm. And it's like the person's like by themselves on the Great Wall of China. It's okay. like a beautiful picture. Everything's perfect. And then they show you the reality. And there's like thousands of people that are like. Oh, no there, kidding? And it's like disgusting. It's not nearly as Wait cool a minute. Social media lies? It's just great. Yeah. Oh. And that's my favorite because it's all about perspective. Yeah. Like those pictures I have of like the Mona Lisa. Oh, I love and then that. Yeah. You, it zooms back out and there's 500 people trying to take a picture of the Mona Lisa mm-hmm. from their cell phone. Yeah. So good. So anyway, so Great Wall of China. Great Wall of China. And, you know, again, my my history is, is always clouded from, from a perspective. But the idea that uh, China would, would as, as, as we've been taught, it would break up and reunify, break up and reunify. And one of the things that helped reunify the country was a building project. Um, and so I know that the Great Wall was a part of that. We've also talked about the Great Wall uh, uh, was used to keep the, the, the bad guys out, good guys in. There's a terrible Matt Damon movie <laughs> about just so wrong about the Great Wall of China was built to keep out these mythological... What movie is this? Oh my gosh, it's awful. Um, I'm interested. You know, and the thing was... I like me some Damon. Tom Cruise pulled off The Last Samurai. It was tough, though. If you remember, he did catch backlash for that. Oh, I didn't. Why? Why do you... Well, he's not exactly Japanese. No, but he wasn't supposed to be. I know, but it was like... You're coming in. You're taking over this story. This is our oh, thing. Oh, wh- the white savior yeah. thing? Yes. Okay, then, then Matt Damon's going to get a little bit of the same thing. Uh, he comes in, and it's a great story to watch, you know, Sunday, 2 o'clock. You got nothing to do. Oh, I'm interested. Yeah, uh, I'll have to look it up for you. Um, but realistically, we have building projects. But I, 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 I think what you said, the idea of coming together and breaking apart so much mm-hmm. If you've ever been confused by Chinese history, you're not alone. All of these dynasties with all of these names and time periods that Mm -hmm. don't make any sense has to do with the breaking up and the reunification and these families, Mm -hmm. these emperors and empresses who are coming in and who are running the country for a short period of time. Yes, Ming. Is one of them. Han. There Uh, are many. There are many. Those are popular ones. And Ming, Ming vases are very expensive because that porcelain was, was high quality. And Ming is responsible for the wall. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. That's good. Built during that dynasty. So I, and, and you know, I've always thought that maybe the Great Wall was this, this amazing uh, transportation route, but it, it, it really wasn't. It, really, it was to keep sort of the Mongols out. Mm-hmm. And um, what a lot of people may not realize, it was the Mongols. And the Mongols are sort of a generic term. Yeah, there's a lot of groups that were... It really just is this nomadic group of, of right. other. And what did we use the nomadic people for? Uh, we used them as couriers. They, they brought the horses, they brought the camels. And they so, were expert riders. Mm-hmm. They were the ones who were living in those populated areas. And to be honest, they just weren't as soft. Mm-hmm. Like, they're used to that type of lifestyle. Yeah. I mean, it's not for everybody. No. But it, you know, when you're when you're hanging out, you, 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 you know, go into Clovis during rodeo weekend, and you, and you meet some cowboys, and you shake their hand, and you're like, wow, that's real work. That's a, that's that's, a man's man yeah, right that's, there. That's real work. I gotta go. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so, but then you know the the, the other thing too that I, I I I've been trying to get my histories together is Genghis Khan invades Central Southeast Asia, and one of the cool things that he does is. As long as you're willing to pay him homage, he lets you keep your stuff. He lets you pray to your God. He lets you keep your 
your, your family intact. You just have to give him a little bit of your stuff. Um, now, his sons weren't so good at that, but his grandson, Kublai Khan, which, by the way, Rush sings a great song called Xanadu. Why are you? So annoying. Oh, my gosh. It's such a good song, though. Is it off of 2112? No. Uh, why do you do this to me? I can't remember the album all You're of a sudden. You're not a Rush fan. It's the Creed by Kubla Khan. Dun, 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 no. dun. 2112 is the only album worth listening to. Okay, you're wrong. Anyways, but Kubla Khan was, was one of these guys who he collected ideas. He collected people, and he reunified a large portion of, of Asia. Uh, and this is where my history gets condensed, because we're really looking at like three, four, five hundred years time span. And during that sort of reunification and collection of ideas, we're looking at gunpowder, we're looking at uh, forms of technology. They're, they're making uh, trebuchets and catapults and giant crossbows that shoot massive arrows. And so the science and technology is taking off. And I think this is a period of time where China is settling into, we are quite content with just China. Here we are at the end of our cul-de-sac, which is what Asia is, right? It's yeah, the end of the cul-de-sac. And then pasty white people. <laughs> yeah, they, they come in. And one thing before we move on from that, one of the questions that I always try and ask is, is why, why them? Why China over Vietnam? Why China over Bangladesh? Why, what is happening? Right. And I read this article that was talking about really getting set up from the very beginning, and it has everything to do with the river system in China. Mm -hmm. If you look at a physical map of China, they have a ridiculous amount of large rivers. Yellow, Yangtze, and Pearl. And they have all of these, I'm going to say it wrong, tributaries? Tributaries. Woo, I'm good at what I do. A giant watershed, if you will. Mm. But I'm now, really, really proud of you, by the way. Um, thank you. Mm -hmm. But they equate this very similarly to why Egypt was able to be successful, mm -hmm. why Mesopotamia was able to be successful. It's not like you can't do it without it. But it really places you on sort of, you, you, you're on another level if you have it. Mm -hmm. Because you have all the water you need to sustain life, to sustain agriculture, and to use as irrigation, which all of these countries and these areas have figured out when they've needed it. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, you get to the end, and then people realize that what you have, if you're not going out and seeking something else, then you must have everything you need. Mm. And that to other countries who don't live that type of lifestyle, they're very much attracted to that. Why aren't you hustling as much yeah. as everybody else like, is? Wait a minute. What do, yeah. you got, what do you got in the old pantry there <laughs> that's keeping you from trying to ask us for stuff? Why do you I need I never nothing? thought about that. And so, because almost everybody else is doing it. Right. And so when you're not playing the game, it almost makes it seem like you have something. And so everybody gets involved and mm -hmm. everybody wants to know. And we look at the Europeans, very good at sailing. Yeah. A lot of easy waterways to get to China. And uh, if you've ever seen uh, Jack Sparrow, we did an episode on pirates, uh, the, the East India Trading Company. You had England and the Dutch and some of the Portuguese, I think. They get very, very involved in Southeast Asia. Yeah. As you should. Yeah. Why, like, why wouldn't you? When you look at all the areas and you look at what they have, you look at all the really convenient spots to kind of use as ports. Mm-hmm. It makes total sense. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, as, as I have researched, now you asked me my, my most favorite uh, uh, moment of Chinese history. I am fascinated by the Opium Wars. 
It's because you love opium, right? Well, who doesn't? Sure. Hey, there is a reason God gave us opium receptors, which, by the way, uh, my endorphin addict friend, uh, the the uh, chemicals you get from your running and working out are your body's own version of opiates. Interesting. So, although I've never taken an opiate, um, I think we are designed to be addicted to opiates. Um, now, endorphins are natural watered down versions. Opium, uh, the flower, the 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 poppy, which we get morphine and uh, heroin, and now unfortunately fentanyl from as a synth- synthesized drug, is hundreds of thousands of times more potent. It makes it does so. I mean, in a weird way, it does make sense why people would want that. Yeah, there is something about. Those endorphins that I just get normally, it's great. Yeah, who doesn't want to feel good? Why would I not want to feel better yeah. than that? And so, uh, so where, do, where where does that come? Where does that come from? The opium. Yeah. So it grows really well in the Middle East, which is just a terrible name. You're in the middle of the East, <laughs> like middle, middle, middle East, middle. It's a tough term. It's a it's a tough term. But you know, Afghanistan, um, Pakistan, uh, and India, in, in that sort of is it the Incas. Mm-hmm. Indus, Indus. Indus Valley. Yep. Um, it grows really well there. And, you know, you can moderate it. You can use it for, for uh, pain. Who's the first one to figure this out? You know what? I, Interesting Mes- history the, Mesopot- there, I the Mesopotamians, the Egyptians, there are, there are stories that you would, um, you would give children just a little bit of this stuff to help with toothaches yep. or tummy problems or that sort of thing. But, again, you know, if, if, if something's good, we can figure out a way to make it great. Yeah. So they have it. They've got it. And so England is wanting to do some, some trading with China. And China's pretty much saying, we're good. We don't want your influences. We don't want you guys corrupting. I mean, really, what do they have to offer? The, the, the English? Yeah. Well, they did have gold and silver, which they were making primarily through slave trades and, right. and I- exploiting Africa and parts of South America. But what's funny of that is it's, it's like asking people if they want Monopoly money when they're not playing Monopoly. <laughs> Like, nah, fam, I'm good, yeah. dude. Like, gold and silver are only cool if you are involved in exactly. the gold and silver trade. And as far as I'm, I, I believe, the only thing China really wanted was cotton and horses. And yeah. by the time uh, England showed up, they had all that they wanted. And I'm just going to completely reduce this down to, to bite-sized pieces. Uh, England wanted to play. China didn't want to play. And so England came up with a plan to smuggle opium into China and get these guys hooked and force them into a trade deal. Now, the thing that England really wanted, though, was the tea. Because tea does, prior to, to, to at that moment, uh, tea did not grow outside of uh, China in a, a couple places in India. And so when you get tea, uh, you don't get any of the seed. You only get that leaf part. So you can't take dry tea, and go home, and more. try to plant it. Yeah. And you can't grow tea in, in, in England anyways. Uh, and so long story short, um, uh, China says absolutely not, and they, 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 they shut down all the opium trade, and they kick everybody out, and they even say, hey, England, you can't even come to a few ports anymore. We don't want to trade with you anymore. Um, uh, and then eventually, some, some British guys got themselves in a little bit of trouble. Um, they killed a, Ch- a Chinese uh, a villager. Uh, they were going to be punished. Uh, Lack of communication. One ship thought the other ship was firing on them, and then boom! All of a sudden, we 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 get ourselves into a war. Um, and all the Brits want is they want 
to sell opium to the Chinese to make a crap load of money so that they can then buy the tea and make all the people in England happy. Uh, and we f they fought that war for, gosh, I don't know, like eight, there was two, right? One yeah. uh, opium war, um, and then there was the second. And what's unfortunate about this is the, the Brits, they created chaos so that they could open up trade. And that's all they cared about. They didn't really care about the, uh, what was happening to the, to, the, to the nation of China. They didn't care what happened to the, to the peripheral uh, folks. They just wanted to reopen a quote-unquote new Silk Road um, where they could exchange their goods for what China was selling. Well, and it's weird when you start talk, talking about like wars like that because realistically, usually there's a territory that's involved. Mm. I want to take over China. Right. I'm going to take all this stuff. But we're talking about sort of an economic-based war mm -hmm. for understanding what could be or what was available mm. to them. And, and the Brits were great at that. Mm -hmm. You look at the influence that they had. It wasn't just by happenstance that they picked great countries to be involved with and to create colonies. Right. They were very smart in looking at India. They knew that the natural resources there, they knew the labor force, they knew all of these things mm -hmm. that were gonna make them successful. And they're like, well, we're already here. Mm -hmm. What else can we get involved in around here? Mm -hmm. And I believe part of that, the, the, the ceasefire to the, uh, the second opium war involved, was it the, was it Nanking? The Treaty of Nanking? Yeah. Uh, and is, is that where, is, I think that's where uh, England gets Hong Kong. Which Hong Kong was not Hong Kong at the time. It was just a little rock off the coast of China. But if, and if again, I'm more of the scientist. You're the historian as self-proclaimed. Uh, but as the Brits get uh, Hong Kong, they then set this island up as a giant port where they can uh, both uh, send and receive goods back to the motherland. Yeah, it was Nanking. So okay. 19, sorry, 18, um, was it 1842? 1843. Okay. So 1843. Um, and like you said, you just want to hold. Yeah. You, you, just, you just want a little place to stop that mm -hmm. you know you're not going to get killed. Mm -hmm. And from that, Hong Kong today, crazy impressive. Right. What it's become. I've never been. I've never been, but it, it is a... I don't know. It's like if you were building The Sims, mm -hmm. <laughs> like like that's what it would look like. And here's what's interesting: as we, as we get further into kind of China's influence on the world, I would have to imagine at that moment the Chinese. What do you want to say? The 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 idea of China was invaders have landed on our sovereign land, and we will prepare to repel them. And I, that's what I've seen is, so in 1840-something, you're saying? 43. For 43. So for over 160 years, the English had access to China. And from what I've gathered, China did not like having outsiders influencing their culture. Right. And, it, and really, they, done a, they did a great job of having one of the longest sort of stints of these dynasties mm -hmm. and this type of, of ruler coming in, very similar government, whether they were good or bad, depends on the person, but they would run all the way through, really until the early 1900s, mm. when we're gonna have ourselves a revolution. Mm. And that's when China's really gonna 
take a different turn. And that's when this will be the more modern opinion of China. Yes. Got, yeah. Huge change. Mm-hmm. And so that we are going to cover next week. Oh, I can't wait. There's a lot here. And we definitely gave you the flyover version oh, yeah. of Chinese history. So if you are interested, please find people that are smarter than us. It's not hard to do. <laughs> uh, but before we go, why don't you hit them with a little bit of wisdom of the week as we close this one out? I shall. From uh, a great idea maker, uh, Confucius, out of China. Which we will cover more next week. Promise. Uh, once said, roads are made for journeys, not destinations. Silk Road, baby. Silk Road. And next week we'll talk about the new Silk Road. Love it. All right, brother. All right, man. See you next week. See you.